This is Vernon Jacobs, Senior Pastor of the Embassy Church. I want to thank you for engaging with us through this podcast. May it build your faith and strengthen your walk and cause you to reach the rooftop in Christian living. Don't forget to aim high and never give up. Let's go now straight into this word. It's a continuation from, from the last two uh, messages that we spoke about. And if you if you didn't catch it, I, I pray that by the Spirit of God, your spirit will be charged. Uh, were you speaking about dominion and how the full jurisdiction of the earth is given to us men? We have full jurisdiction over the earth. God has jurisdiction over the heavens, the earth, the underworld, the sea, the waters of the earth. God has full jurisdiction of that. And we've learned last week that he doesn't need your permission, but he does need your partnership. So, so we, we got that the realm of the spirit needs man to partner with God. Uh, but the realm of demonics, demons, satanic realms have also locked into that and uh, just as much as God needs man on the earth, demons and the demonic agency, satanic agencies also operate with man. And on the earth, they require man's body. Now, let's take it slowly. Uh, I spoke about earth, wind and fire last week. You'll see it in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah is the prophet, and he understands spiritual realms. So what he does is, is going to call fire from heaven. And to call fire from heaven, he needs the partnership of God from heaven. In as much as God needs the partnership of man on the earth, we need the partnership of the realm of the spirit. Are we together? Yes. That's why Jesus said, whatsoever you bind on the earth, I will bind for you in the heavens. There's a, a correlated partnership going on in the heavens and the earth with the spiritual realm. So just to prove this, Elijah is going to call fire. The mystery of calling fire is that he works the earth. That's why you will find uh, people who dabble in the occult, witch doctors, they work things in the earth. They will, we'll, we'll talk about it just now, they will set up altars on the earth that serve as an attraction for power to be downloaded. So in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. What Elijah did was he prepared an altar where God could come. And uh, he, he worked the earth. And he said, the earth is ready. Then he called on the realm of the spirit. I want you to know today that dominion is not a scam. Neither is it fake. But it will take God and man as a partnership on the earth. For your life to rise. 
Listen to me as you go back to work, go back to your businesses. You cannot sustain a viable life without the participation of God in your life. We are living in, in, in times where realms of the spirit is highly, highly needed. And that's why I'm, I'm teaching you on dominion. So your function is human, <clears throat> but your efficacy, your effectiveness comes from you being joined to Christ. You have to, you have to be joined to Christ to call fire from heaven. Are we together? Now, <clears throat> we got to learn about altars. I'm going to teach on altars this morning. Don't sleep, sit up. There's Bible students will tell you that there's a thing called the law of first mention. <clears throat> Whenever you want to learn of something in the Bible, go to the place where it was first mentioned. So the law of first mention. Noah just came out from his flood. And the first thing that he did was that he built an altar for God. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. I think it's there. You see that Noah was a man who cared for God. And he built an altar. Uh, there's something that God taught him whilst he was in, in going into the ship. And, and God said to him, take two of each kind, male and female. But of the, of the clean animals, take seven. Because... God knew he's going to deliver him after the flood and he is going to need cleaned animals to place as a sacrifice on an altar. Uh, some things are taught by God to man. And then when you want to study God, you study the ways of men who had encounters with God. And we're going to study Jacob just now and see... Uh, We'll study Jacob in his building of an altar to understand the heart of God in it. Are we together? So, so no one knew that he had to build. Somebody say build. He had to build an altar. And when you build an altar, you, you build, you use stone. Stone is very important. That's why when people are getting married, they must come to the altar. This, were, this place that I'm standing is, is commonly referred to as the altar. In the temple, you'll see the three seg segments of, of the church, of the, of the building. From the porch, to the pew, to the altar. The outer courts, the inner courts, the most holy place. I'm going deep, but you, you, you're a deep people. You understand what, what it is. And when you spell altar, please don't spell it with an E. Some people have bad spelling. It's altar with an A. Because uh, the altar with an E takes place at the altar with an A. Alterations will take place at an altar. This is the altar. The altar is a, is a, is a sacred space. Say that with me. Sacred space. <clears throat> 
And so Noah starts to build an altar. And his children watch him build an altar. Somebody say build. Build an altar. Say build. <laughs> so Noah then has a great grandson. That saw the blessing of God on his grandfather. And he thought that it was just to build. Uh, not understanding to build as unto the Lord. So you find in Genesis chapter 10 verse 1, 6, 8 to 10. It's in the, on, the, on the screen. Noah's great grandson Nimrod established a great city and a kingdom of Babylon. He's starting to build skyscrapers, thinking that if we build, we build in and God gets the glory. No, the altar, the name of the Lord must be on it. Uh, watch this, please pay, pay careful attention. That's Noah's grandson. Noah's grandson's children also notice buildings. So they say, let's build a skyscraper. If you go, if you understand what I'm saying, Dubai understands this now. Uh, these Orient countries are each trying to do, go back to this Babylonian system. They may try to be, think they're trying to impress, but they're trying to do something similar to what was done in the scripture. So they start to, to build the, the Tower of Babel. And uh, God comes down and he's not impressed with it. I'm trying to show you, Noah started with good intent. But he didn't show them the way. There, there is a thing I taught, taught you last year, the way of thanksgiving. There are ways in the Bible that we must adopt the way of, the way of building an altar. Uh, so we must teach right. It's not to build skyscrapers, but it's to build so that we have the attention the presence of God in that place. Are we together this morning? So I just want to use this and say, if we don't teach our children right, little deviations can make a big difference to our next generation. We can cause them veering off from the truth. They say, you ask them, what are you doing? Oh, grandpa, we're building an altar. But they're building a building. They're building a tower to an unknown God. You, you have to teach your children the ways of God. Are we together? So, so I want you to know that Satan is seeking transgenerational allegiance. And I'm going to close on that, on that subject. Uh, you... you are not the primary focus of the devil. He wants your family. And he wants your family's family. He's seeking transgenerational allegiance. To this point, be careful that you don't condemn a spiritual thing in front of your child. Because you are opening the gate for your child to walk out of the place that you are seated in. Uh, you, you condemn openly the praise, the worship, the word, the, the church. Uh, parents should not openly 
criticize the church because you open a gate for your children to leave and exit a spiritual dimension that you, your parents, worked so hard to train you up in. You're causing them to build strange cities to foreign gods. I got more to say, but I'm going to leave you on that. Are we together this morning? Let me show you the pattern of an altar. The first altar to God was built by Noah in Genesis 8.20. And that altar shows that human beings began building altars to God in order to win favor with God. God came down to Noah. So when you service an altar, you, you have favor with God. When you strengthen an altar, you have favor with God. When you strengthen an altar, you attract God's attention. Listen to me, the fact that you decided to be in the presence of God here is your reward already. You, you have favor with God. You are, as he said, we're standing on holy ground. Something is happening spiritually to you. There's an undergirding, there's a presence, there's a power, there's a prayer, there's a covering that's coming towards you. Give God some praise if you understand it. When you build an altar, or when you surface an altar, you come to the altar and you bow down. What are you doing? You're acknowledging God. And you catch the attention of your God. Your God says, man, look at my child. When you build an altar, you invoke his intervention. You show gratitude or you make covenants with the almighty God. Now, if you write in, write this down. I'm going to define an altar for you. Are you ready? An altar is a place, a platform, or a system where the spirit realm makes contact with the natural realm on legal grounds. I am a juristic person. I am a legal person. I carry all legalities in the spirit. God put it in me as a man. Put it in you as a man. You have dominion on the earth. You can move things on the earth. Are we together? So, when you come to God, God comes to you. A realm, you, you, are, you are a realm in yourself. Huh. I don't know whether you're on, it's so hard. The Bible speaks about you are seated in high places with Christ. Bible says that you are seated in high places with Christ. Now, but you seated here. How can that be? In a spiritual thing, Christ in me, and I am in Christ. <laughs> if we were talking to each other, I'll ask you to talk to your neighbor and say, man, you're seated next to somebody that's seated in high places. You understand? You are seated next to a person that is seated in a very high place. Now if you understand rank and command and, and that structure of captains and captains of tens. And the Bible speaks about captains of fifties. You will understand that you are seated in, in a very high place. Oh man, God. Ah, Christ is seated and, and, and he's in the, I, I was going to say it in the end, but the greatest altar that we have 
the greatest altar that you can stand on, that you can come under. Oh, God. Do you know what is that? There's an altar that's set up in the heavenly realms for you. It's called the throne of grace. It's an altar. It's an altar that's working for you. When you come under the throne of grace, when you come under that altar, man, you're coming under power. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ came through Mary and got this body to defeat the highest altar of Satan. Do you know what Satan's altar is? That's why you came to church to learn. Satan's greatest altar is the altar of sin and death. Everything of Satan's altar. Jesus came to give life, but he came to kill, steal, destroy. There are two great altars servicing the earth. And you can choose to be under, under which God's altar is the throne of grace. Satan's altar is the, 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 the altar of sin and death. I'll, I'll give it to you. I think it's Roman 15, Romans 15, 2. So powerful is, is Christ to, to, to get this dominion and then give it back to you. Is that he has to come through Mary's body. Go to the cross. Fight this whole thing. Defeat this whole thing of sin and death. And then give us the keys. Give us back our dominion. Ah. Christ is caught up on the ascension day. And he's, he's taken up. He has now broken some realms that if he has to come back on the earth, he doesn't have to borrow, borrow Mary's body again. It's done. When he said it's finished, he had more than one thing in mind. Uh, when he's coming back again, he's not going to negotiate a human body again. He's not going to negotiate with Mary. Mary, can I have your body? No, sir. No, ma'am. He has. It's that jurisdiction belongs to him. And I want to tell you, if you under, I got goosebumps. If you understand dominion, and and when you. I was going to show you how Jacob comes into an altar. Let's go. Let's, let's study that. Are you, are you ready to study? Good. If you want to take in down notes, Genesis 28. Jacob has an encounter. As I said to you, you can study God by studying a man that had an encounter with God. Uh, in fact... After Jacob has the encounter with God, then only is he referred later. We, we understand when Abraham had an encounter, then God will say, God of Abraham. God of Isaac. It wasn't God of Jacob until he has an encounter. I want to tell you that until you have an encounter with God, you must desire an encounter with God first hand where God will show you. 
you, you, you're driving and you can, who was it that told me? One of our members, I forget now. She was driving and she can see the cars are flying all over her. But she said she just continued driving. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of an accident, cars are flying. It's as if an angel picked this car and moved it down pavilion. And in the, in the news now, there's pavilion is closed and this person was right next to the truck. The truck is coming. There's a car coming. She doesn't know how. Yes, Tammy. Was that you, Tammy? That was you, right? Yeah. Down the Tammy was in, in, that, in that scene. That is an encounter. If I have an encounter like that, Tammy, I'll build a house in the church. Because I had an encounter. When Jacob had an encounter with God, then he became the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Your generation is going to, because of this teaching, you are going to have encounters. It's going to be the God of my grandpa Jethro. God of grandma Melanie. Because of the, of, the, of the sphere that you are going to live in. I, my, my desire is for you to have an encounter with God. And so, watch this. For you to understand Genesis 28. If you're writing, write this down. There's three places that you must study. Genesis 12. Genesis 28. Genesis 35. Bible, see if, you, if you're studying this. Genesis 12, Abraham comes to this place called Luz or Luz, L-U-Z. And he has an encounter with God there. And he builds an altar out there in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham, God says to Abraham, I am going to bless you, man. I'm going to bless you and... Uh, your, your seed is going to be blessed. You are going to ooze with blessings. And those that bless you, I'll bless them. Those that curse you, I'll curse them. Watch this. At a covenant, sorry, at an altar occurs covenants. What is the covenant? Where the spirit realm sponsors your blessing. Where the spirit realm energizes the blessing. I'm trying to show you that Abraham is dead. But then comes Jacob and he's walking in Genesis 28 to the same place in Luz. And at that, around the same place he puts his head on a stone. And then there's angelic activity. The earth vibrates. And Jacob has an encounter with God. The very same place that his grandfather met God. And Jacob, because I don't have time, and Jacob says, because I met God in this place, this is the house of God. It is, I'll call it Bethel. The house of God. And he changes its name from Luz to, and he takes a stone and he, he anoints that stone 
upon which his head lay. We move down to Genesis chapter 35. And God wants to bless Jacob. And he says to Jacob, I want to bless you. But I can't bless you whilst you're in Laban's house. And quite interesting, Laban is his uncle. But Laban has a different altar. Huh. I saw that yesterday. He has different idols in that altar. So God says to Jacob, leave that place. I'll meet you in Genesis 28. Come back to Bethel. And Jacob comes back to Bethel. And God says, I make a covenant with you. Let me just show you that. Here's the covenant. Are, are we together? You, are you getting something? You, you, it'll fall just now. It'll fall just now. Then he renamed the place Bethel, house of God. Then Jacob, no, that's not what I, yeah. He said, God says to him, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your seed. And your seed. Family of God, listen to me. There's a, a vow coming out in the spiritual realm. That's coming down from Abraham. God promised Abraham. Now he's promising it to his grandson. Let me say this. Listen, sit up, sit up. Hear me, hear me, hear he him. This is powerful. You have a personal altar. You'll have a generational altar. And you'll have an ancestral altar. If you learn this, you'll understand why you're fighting some battles. In Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I will bless you. And I will bless your seed. By the time it comes down to Jacob, when a promise moves from a personal blessing, it means it's a covenant. God made a covenant with you. Let's use you, uh, Colonel. If it goes down two generations, if that same blessing is gone down two generations, that means it misses your son or it goes to your son but reaches your grandson. Your grandson doesn't get your personal covenant. He now gets your generational covenant. You understand? The promise that God made to you personally is now visiting your generation. Jaden is now your grandson. He's getting the generational blessing. But when Jaden's son and grandson receives what God told you, he's not getting a personal covenant, he's not inheriting from a generational covenant, he's now an, an, uh, getting it from an ancestral covenant. Ah, oh, God. Now, all things in the natural are also mimicked demonically. We're talking spiritual realms. So the same thing happens to a blessing, it happens to a cursing. When the devil wants to, wants to, wants to kill, let's, let's assume this is a whole family. You made a covenant for a blessing. 
uh, and the devil bless you. But they want to break it. He wants to break it. But he can't break it because it's operating. It's, it, it was personal. Here it's generational. Here you're fighting it, it's ancestral. You can't understand why. Why am I not breaking this thing? It's the altar that's blessing it. The altar don't need the people. It's a spiritual realm. It needs, it's, it's established on a covenant. Let me give you the definition. Are we, are we together? A place or platform where covenants are established or maintained. Watch this. The major assignment of an altar is to give authorization and continuity to any spiritual activity on the earth, whether godly or demonic. And some of you are fighting battles of poverty. If you trace it back, it was on your grandfather. Your grandfather worked like an elephant, eat like an ant, worked hard, but never broke through it. And you, you're wondering why am I still in that? It's been sponsored by an altar. It's getting quiet in this church. Is that because you're digesting it or what? Jacob awoke in that place and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Frightened he added, how fearful is this what? How fearful is this place? How fearful is this place? This is nothing but the house of God. And this, watch this, is the gate of heaven. There are certain places where you consistently make prayer. Consistently do spiritual things. You, you know if you consistently sing in your shower, that's where you'll have the greatest thoughts, freshest imaginations, most creative ideas. And you'll think, I was in the shower today and this idea just came upon me. This thought just came upon me. Because most of your prayer and your singing and your spiritual activity is done in the shower. I was going to use the next place as well, closest to the shower. But, but your freshest revelations, how many of you? Because that's where you sing. We are standing. And you shower on holy ground. Some of you, when you're driving in your vehicles, you get the brightest of ideas, most creative, because you got music that's, that's, that's playing, you, you're worshiping. I'm saying wherever you consistently seek God, that place, that place, that place becomes your altar. Now, it's very important to understand that because the church and churches all over the world are great altars for God because when you come, you are carrying the presence of God. You're carrying the anticipation that God is going to meet you there. And that's why I've changed that whole concept and said that church is not a venue. Church is an altar. 
We must stop feeding in the church, celebrating celebrations in the church, but we must worship God and this place must be electric. A pastor's wife came for me. Did I tell you the story? Uh, for, for, for the funeral last week. And she said to Monique, and then she came outside whilst I was even loading the, the, the coffin. She said, Pastor, I want to tell you, I've been to many churches, but I want to tell you the presence of God in your church is rich. And, and that's not the first person to tell me that. People walk into this building, you ask Nisha, they'll, they'll, they'll say, we feel, even when the building is empty, they say, we feel the presence of God. Jacob felt the same vibration, the vibration on that holy mountain. And he said, surely God is in this place and we discerned it not and we did not know it. I want to tell you this morning that you must keep the presence of God fresh in the house of God. Service this place when it comes to worship. Raise your hands. I told you that dominion without words is not dominion. You have to have, if you're going to dominate in any sphere, you have to speak. Huh. Business people know it very well. You can't walk into a meeting and keep quiet. The one who speaks gets the deal. Am I right or wrong? Dominion and authority is based on words. Huh. You can't be an introverted person. And expect to thrive. You have to go out there in 2023. Walk. When you walk, you, you walk. <laughs> I was telling, he came with me here to the hospital. Where's Charmaine? She's not here today. Oh, yeah. We walked into St. Augustine's. I drove at the gate like I owned that place. There was no way that secure. He said, no, pastor. I came here last night. You had to park in the road. I said, you're joking. I am not parking on the road. I drove in there. I greeted that, that security. Good morning, sir. I am here to see a patient. He thought I'm a doctor. <laughs> I kid you not. He said, sir, we normally, you can, you should, that place is closed. I said, then I'm going to go further. He said, go right in. Tell the guy I sent you. <laughs> Am I right? We went right close to the door. That guy is running. Sir, you can't park there. I said, sir, good morning. How are you doing this morning? He said, uh, what, what are you here to do? I said, I came to see a patient. Which is true. I went to see a patient. <laughs> he said, sir, no problem. But you can't park there. Let me move the cone park here. Even closer to the door. <laughs> We walked in down to the ward. Now, I know that if anybody's going to give me a problem, I got authority. I'm going to phone Charmaine, and I tried phoning you. Uh, but anyway, I didn't need to make the call. I went to the door. The security, they got up. I continued to walk. I told her, she said, how you do it, Pastor? If you flinch for a moment, yes. if you flinch for one moment, you're gone. So I got my suit. I'm moving. I got dominion. I know I, I, I last case scenario, I'm going to phone you. <laughs> but so I go in there and uh, they, I said, I'm here to see a patient. He said, go through. <laughs> and uh, I went, we went into the ward and Linton was, was right there. 
the nurses came, who are you to see? I said, I'm here to see Linton King. No, no problem. See, I'm trying to show you that as a believer, you must walk. The Bible speaks, go read, go, go study, and Jesus grew in, I can't hear you. Jesus grew in what? Jesus grew in stature. You must grow in stature, man. If you understand that you're beyond salvation and that if you understand, that's why this message of dominion is so key. I'm going to show you towards the end how, okay, let's, let's do it now. What does Jacob do? He comes to a realm that is open. He could have stayed in Laban's house, but nothing is happening in Laban's house because Laban is servicing a different altar. God says, Come back. And Jacob comes under alignment. I taught this some time ago. Under alignment where Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father. If Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father here and you are bowing in Laban's house You have to come in where the heaven and the earth is meeting together. So he comes to Bethel, the house of God, where there's spiritual activity. There's a highway and there's a gate that's open. And angels are moving to and fro. And he comes under that alignment. Family of God, listen to me as I will come to the end of my message. We have the greatest altar, which is the throne room of grace. And is it Paul that says that we can enter boldly into the house or into the throne room of grace because you are forgiven, because the blood speaks, because of who you are in Christ, because of Jesus I'm not talking to you about divination and, and all of those things. I, I can talk to you about it just now. Yeah. But do you understand that? Now, next week, perhaps, we will go into gates. Uh, as your homework, do you, are you, do you do homework? I want you to study 2 Kings 23. I feel like a teacher today. I dressed like that. Josiah, spirits cannot operate in a domain of men without legal jurisdiction. For any spirit to operate in a natural realm, there must be a gate, a portal, a gateway, which connects both realms. But gates are created when an altar is erected. The moment I bow here, me, the man, Who's carrying the jurisdiction, Gregory? Me, the man. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here am I to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely. 
You're all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together worthy, all together lovely, all together wonderful to me. You know what I'm doing? I bow at an altar. But I open the gateway of the realm of the spirit. And if you do it in the right way, right place, you have all of heaven backing you down in all of the earth. And you open the portals of that gateway. You open the realm of the spirit. And you are starting now to have what they call an open heaven. An open heaven. The singing of songs, and that's why I told you that you can't come here past worship. And then you, you'll, leave, you'll leave the service so empty because you never open the gate. You never open the portal that was to be open. You're wasting your time. You're joking. I, I want to... tell you, and I mean maybe next week we'll, we'll take this on. It's important. Yeah. You know the presence of an altar in any life, in any family, in any region by the consistency of patterns and occurrences whether good or bad. Let me just keep reading for you. Please catch it. If certain good things consistently happen to you, it's because it's been powered by an altar. Look at the Jewish, just let's just, just consider the Jewish nation as a nation, as a nation. Wherever they go, you'll agree with me, business people, you, if you study Jewish uh, business, even the South African JSE is owned by Jewish people. 42%, I think, of our JSE is owned by, in America, it's the Jews that own Wall Street. Thank you. Any place because of the blessing that was announced to Abraham. And anybody who blesses you will. South Africa will hear me. And, and they got some haters on the Jews. That's why we're not progressing. Because we're hating on the Jews. We pulled out our ambassador, ambassadors. We pulled out the embassy. From, from Israel. And you expect to be blessed. That's why your roads are burning. There's sewer in your, in your fresh water. Because you cursed a blessed nation. God. Abraham's gone. Jacob's gone. Isaac is gone. But the altar by which the covenant was made still stands. It says, anybody who blesses you Blesses a Jewish Jew, Jew will be blessed. Anybody. And that's why if you see a Jew, don't despise him. Take, 
take whatever you have in your hand. Say, you know what? I want to bless you, man. Uh, and, and if a Jewish business is charging you more, business people, listen to me. If the quote is 10% more, pay it. Don't see it as, as part of the quote. See it as part of your seed. So, into a Jewish business. So, the blessing of a Jewish nation is Powered by an altar. He that blesses a Jew shall be blessed. Let me tell you. There's a thing called the throne of salvation. There's an altar that sponsors salvation. In a church. Nobody just wants to say I give my life to Jesus. No. But when you come under a word. There is a altar for salvation. And when you call. The guy says yes I want to give my heart to Jesus. He didn't want to give his heart that's the altar was sponsoring that thing. In this church, when we went to, to Israel, I say the story over and over and over again. The bus was leaving. I remember I, I had this thing about altars. We were in the Sea of Galilee, 12 stones. I said, God, I'm going to build an altar. Build an altar for my family. And I'm going to build an altar also. I'm going to build two altars for my two daughters. When I'm gone, when you go to the Holy Land, go to the Sea of Galilee, just, just walk there and say, where is the God of my father? And the, one, the third altar, I said, God, as long as I'm pastoring the embassy church, bless those that walk in through the doors of that church. I'm talking... I'm talking, I'm talking blessing, blessed by the true definition of blessing. And that's why some of you walk in here broke, busted, disgusted, but things start to change. It's not even your pastor. It's an altar that will sponsor you. I believe in this thing called altars. It's not, it's not divination and whatever. Some people that listen to me out of context may say that this pastor is, a, is dabbling. I'm not dabbling. I'm telling you, next week I'll teach you about gates and how to open gates and what comes through gates. I'll show you the four corners of the earth, the east. There's an angel that sits there and controls the gate called the Orient. Jonah is on a boat. There's another guy on a boat as well as Jesus is on a boat. Jonah is running away from God. And uh, do you have the scripture? And on, on, is on this boat and it's tossed by a storm. And uh, the people that are with Jonah are going to die. It's an altar of association. Listen to me. I don't know who needs to hear this. But some of you are in continuous struggle. And you pray. You fast. But maybe you are an, on a boat of association with some business partner. Who is destined, sponsored by an altar to die. And you're on Jonah's boat. Ah, you say, ah, whoa, whoa. what's the scripture? Jesus was also on a boat. And the storms came. And his 12 disciples were with him. And those 12, because there was an altar sponsoring Jesus. Uh, how did Jesus get this altar to be so strong? Mark 1.35, and in the very early morning, he arose first and went to a desolate place where he prayed. 
he sponsored there was an altar sponsoring jesus every daily activity the altar was sponsoring him because he prayed he strengthened his altar these 12 guys are in the boat and the storm is going to take them out but jesus is on that boat and the altar sponsored their blessing there's altars of association you can you can think about it meditate on it how altars of association can bless you or curse you